Welcome to the Ridgecrest Lost and Found podcast. In the same way that you have those weird people that graduate and leave and they find their way back and it's just really awkward. Um, that's kind of what this podcast is about. It's a, it's a random assortment of people, things, and ideas, and it's going to be a good time. My name is Logan. I'm Steven. And today, we have none other than Ben Sticker is in the house. We're excited. Um, we're going to rehash. Well, it's not really rehash. We're going to talk about old stories. We're going to talk about youth ministry, do all the things. Uh, ben, did you want to say hi before we got into it? Hey, <laughs> whoever's watching. My mom, yeah. baby. That's good people. Um, Agreed. Why don't you just give me anywhere from 30 seconds to three hours of backstory, however deep you want to go, and then we'll start from there and we'll just get into it. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so for context of this, uh, this is my home church, uh, Ridgecrest is. we. Uh, I was born and raised, I don't know if I, uh, born, not necessarily born at the church, but mm. I do think we went to First Jackson for four or five minutes before we came to Ridgecrest, but I don't remember that. Right. And so... Grew up even seeing uh, the chapel where you meet for students was our sanctuary. And then I can remember when the rack, I just love saying the word. Does anybody, anybody call it the rack no. anymore? Uh, if you're over the age of about 50, there's mm. a good chance you'll say rack. Well, I'm 33, and so I don't know what that <laughs> says about me. Old soul. And so I, you know, we went to do the worship service there, and I can remember making the walk down to the sanctuary to that beautiful red carpet, mm. uh, and it is what it is. And so uh, did that, and now – a lot uh, of people say about the red carpet. Decades later. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Decades later, uh, I'm a student pastor in the area uh, in Brandon. Got a wife and uh, three, almost four kids. And That's uh, so crazy. Get to be friends with you guys. This has been just a fun nostalgia. Yeah. We probably should have recorded the pre-stuff. Yeah. It'll be fine. That might have been better. So, what? Uh, when is fourth kid coming? Two months from yesterday. I found that out yesterday in a sonogram. And it kind of hits you different, right? You're like, oh, wow, we're two months from now. We don't have a bed set up. I don't know where our newborn clothes is. I, I know my wife does, so course, I'm not yeah. necessarily worried about yeah. that. But, like, your first kid, I mean, I think I painted the room. Like, we had been pregnant for two months, and I'm, like, painting the room yeah. and getting the nursery ready. This kid, like, I think a friend still is borrowing our, our bassinet. Like, so we're like, hey, we're going to need that yeah, back. Eventually. Uh, so, you know, it, it's – Two months, November sixth. That's wild. And it's a boy or girl? It's a girl. I have oh, three girls man. now. Yeah, I know. One boy, three girls. So this is the last one, best one, is what I keep saying. The finale. <laughs> yeah, and I don't I, want to mess that up again. I don't know if I've even. I don't think I've met any of your kids, but just from watching your son, just on socials and stuff, mm. he seems like a trip. Oh, he's fun, my bud. He uh, yeah. he's seven years old, and it's so funny. I, I was a. Uh, I was in uh, Starville last night uh, preaching, and I showed a picture of my family uh, from the gender reveal. And he, in the video, it's so funny because he didn't know. We knew it was a girl. Jordan and I uh -huh. had figured that out early because we, I had to be prepped. You know, yeah. I just had to, I had to brace myself for that. And I'm excited about a girl again, by the way. Let the record show. I'm excited. But my son did this whole no <laughs> when he found out. <laughs> But now he's cool because he realizes he will never have to share a room with anybody. Nope. I mean, he's the you know, male. We're not going to do the male and female thing. And so yeah. we might have three girls in a room together one day. He'll always have his own room, and he thinks it's cool now. Yeah, you gotta just you gotta couch things a certain way. That's right. Spin zone. I've never, I've I've met people that have done the like brother sister sharing a room thing, 
And, you know, no judgment, but it's just an interesting concept to me. Tell me one story where that's been successful. I, I agree completely. I mean, barely, husband and wife can barely share a room successfully <laughs> together nowadays. Yes. You can't find a, a brother and sister that that's been successful. Half the time, the two brothers in a room is the worst idea oh, ever. Oh, absolutely. You know, you probably got some folks from the 40s and 50s. When I was their age, that's all we had. Like, yeah. well, okay, fair enough, but you didn't have to share things. It just, it's not going to work anymore. No. Yeah, that's... That's, yeah, you're going to have three girls. That's going to be awesome. I will. Thanks that, for reminding me. That's what I was going to say. It's weird because, you know, I have two boys. Yeah. But when we had uh, – Cannon was the second, you know, people were like, Logan, if he gets a girl, he's going to lose it. And my whole thing was like, I'm not. I would be so pumped to have a girl. Mm -hmm. I guess people just think like because I'm like I'm such a boy dad, whatever that means, I'm going to yeah. take it as a compliment. They were like, Logan would freak out. And I'm yeah. like, no, it would just be awesome. You just have a girl instead of a boy. People ask me all the time, are you a girl dad or are you a boy dad? And I, I genuinely, like, can I not be both? So what a weird question when uh, you yeah. have both gender kids. It's really kind of conflicting. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, maybe. And, and I try to, like, tell people, I'm like, uh, maybe he doesn't know. I have boy and girls. And they're like, no, I know. Boy dad or girl dad? That's yeah. I hope I'm a subpar dad at both of them at the very bit minimum. Like, and I think we are, you know. Yeah. And so we're, you know, we're just trying. I can just be a dad, not a boy dad or a girl dad. Um, so I have a question we'll get into, but is there anything that you wanted to throw out? First things first? Anything? I thought I had something, but I forgot what it was nice. if I had it. Nice. But I will say, just on the topic of boy, boy dad or girl dad, when uh, we found out we were pregnant, we, we were nervous when we found out that Peter was a boy because... We, um, like with my family, we talked about this a little bit before we started, but I've basically raised a bunch of girls. Yeah. And so I felt more prepared for that. So that, that was a little bit of a, I don't, I don't know if like people look, would look at me and like, th like they think with Logan think, wow, what a, what a boy dad. I don't know what people think of me, but <laughs> I, I, I was, was more prepared probably mentally to have girls, but we ended up having a boy. And I think the newborn and toddler phase so much easier to be a boy dad than a girl dad. I mean, you got it good right now. I was about but say, I when would, they turn any... into like a five or a six-year-old and emotions start taking over, I walk into my house sometimes, and my oldest daughter is a five-year-old, mm -hmm. but like she's not even experienced true change to her body yet. Uh, if you need to know what that means, you can ask your parents. <laughs> this is not but, the podcast for that. That's exactly right. <laughs> Moving on. But but she she can be in an emotional state, and I'm like, what am I dealing with right uh, now? I don't know how to, yep. how to navigate that. As a kid, as a young, like a baby, newborn, toddler, fantastic. My mm -hmm. toddler is awesome. Yeah. Can't wait for the newborn. They turn five. I freak out just a little bit, yeah. right? I can't imagine the teenage years in yeah. doing what we do. Well, I'll, so I'll, I tell people all the time, one, middle school is the worst. Mm -hmm. Like I tell parents, I tell students, but mostly I tell parents, you just got to survive That's right. like middle school. Yeah. Because the boys have so much puberty happening. They don't have a clue what's going on. They're yeah. like literally aliens in their own body. And then for some reason, at some point between sixth and eighth grade, a girl just turns into the devil. Like yeah. they are just mean and vindictive and they can't help it. They just are. Yeah. But it's crazy. Is that the same across the spillway? hundred percent. Everyone just perfect had, over there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's Rankin County, man. What do you expect? Come on. Uh, I, I had a conversation with a dad the other day who has an eighth grade daughter and I, and I've, I've been, uh, at Pine Lake where I'm at long enough to where I, I saw her as a, uh, a preteen, yeah. super, super sweet, but she's just transitioned into quote unquote, the devil, as you said. <laughs> and the dad said, man, I, we have messed up in this last year. And I just kept reminding him you're normal. 
Yeah. Like this is like props to you. As a matter of fact, if they're not experiencing emotions and uncontrolled, you know, crying and all of these other things that come along with it and and wanting to buy $500 homecoming dresses, I would question like what's going to happen in their later teenage years. Yeah. And so that's been the fun thing in student ministry as long as I've been doing this now is you watch the crazy and you're like there's no chance that they're going to be a help to our society. And then they become bank vice presidents. And you're like, man, like, how did that transition into into something good? Yeah. But, you know, it just keep trucking along. That's what I keep telling parents yeah. on that side of the world is, man, this too shall pass. We had a, at our at my last church, I had a girl who uh, was just struggling. She was at a very small private school. All the small private school things were happening. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a 10th grader, I was like, you've just got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, not that you need to leave or do anything crazy, but like, Right now, your bubble is this big, and when you graduate, you're going to probably go to state, and then it's going to get to this, and then you're going to graduate from state, and it's going to get huge, and I was like, life will be so different. You just got to get out of this little bitty town, That's this right. little bitty bubble, and life will be better, and so far, life has gotten better. I'm telling you. But that, it's a crazy time. Yeah, hormones are a real thing. Mm. Teenage years are a life real thing. Life you fast. <laughs> um, so my quintessential parent question is since you have one, I have two, you have three, almost four. Uh, what was the hardest transition? Like zero to one kid, one to two, two to three? Uh, two to three for sure, which makes me a little nervous about the three to four that we're going to experience. Everybody that tells you, you know, oh, you have two, what's one more? They're lying to you. I'm just telling you. Like that, that they, they, they made that up or we did it wrong. And yeah. I don't think we did it completely wrong. Uh, one to two, I was more emotionally worried because I had so much love. You got so much love for your child. Yeah. And then I was like, it, it, I battled with it. I was like, man, how is my heart going to love somebody else right. as much as I love this kid? And then, I mean, it's just the beauty of, of Jesus, right? Mm. You know, we can talk about Jesus on this Absolutely. podcast a little bit, right? I think, um, it, he just does that for you. He splits your heart in two and you've got that kind of love. So emotionally we were good to go, but like the true zone defense thing that people talk about is a real thing. And you've just got to think differently. Yeah. I mean, it, it there's. There's no other way around it. You know, we could we could kind of like, hey, I'm going to take him. You're going to take her or vice versa when it was just two of them. But you had the third one. You're like, I'm going to take him. You're going to take her. And who's going to get her? You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. you got it like, oh, yeah, we have one more. And so it, it's, it gets easier. But that is something that even right now I'm, I'm a shade nervous, if mm. I was honest, uh, of, okay, so what happens when we throw one more in the mix? So yeah. don't listen to those people that say, oh, what's one more? You know, it's literally one more human being. It literally being. is one more. Yeah. Because yeah. we feel that with two, because yeah. we feel like we're maxed. Because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I got him, you got the other one. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, what would we do if we have a third one? And so, mm. but it is, the three is interesting because people are like, three is like, was crazy difficult. And there's people that was like, three was nothing. Three is just, we just threw the kid on our back and rolled. So and I'd love to have coffee with those folks and hear like, well, what does that really mean? I wonder if they just literally just dragged them along. They said, yeah. hey, come on, you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> except for there's like dirty diapers and there's things that you really have to factor into your life. I know. I don't get it either. It's interesting. I can remember uh, when my third was born, uh, we were living here. We were already here at the time back in the Jackson area. We were, we were living on the coast when we found out we were pregnant. And God had called us back uh, up here, back home, essentially. And and I can remember the very first night we had brought her home, and she woke up in the night. And you would have thought it's the first night I'd ever had a kid in my house. Yeah, I just forgotten. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah. And then you like the very first time that I traveled with my three children, my two older ones uh, had gotten old enough where like you didn't pack the bags with the water bottles and all of the things. By the way, my parents never walked around with me in a water bottle. I don't know why we now decide that our kids have, we got to have water. Like every school supply list I have, we've spent more. I'm in debt because of water bottles, because we just got to buy these kids water bottles it's now. Crazy. And so the first time I do this trip, like it's just me and the kids. And I realized I got to bring a whole bag with me. Yeah. You know, now I, we still bring the bag. I don't know what, I guess we have two bags. When we have two kids, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'll, a bigger I'll bag. Back, a bigger bag. Yeah. We're curious. Like suit, a, a rolling suitcase <laughs> everywhere we go. For our two little kids. I was I was listening to a comedian on a podcast talk about it was she was talking about how like she said when we would go to like Six Flags or just anywhere, my husband would always say, You get one water bottle and you just share. She said, I was just dehydrated for fifteen years. <laughs> and I thought you I made me think about that because now it's like everyone's gotta have half a gallon of water oh, in a hydro flask or a Stanley cup. My son, my oldest, his his school supply list literally said I think it gave a degree, a temperature. My wife could confirm that. Well we, we were laughing. It's a, and if it's this hot, then it's in two water bottles. Oh my god. There are water fountains everywhere. I was, I was like, you it's know, refill. There's literally tap water. It's yeah. on tap. It's but no, no no no, let's buy two camel packs that cost twenty five ninety nine a piece. <laughs> That's it's not our government. It's our school system. Yes. I'm just kidding. I love our school system. Mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think a fun place that I want to start and it'll tie into kind of your upbringing and church life. And I think mm -hmm. we'll just go from there. We were, we are old enough to kind of have experienced the explosion of the Madison County ranking County, all yeah. of it, but especially in Madison, the church scene was wild. Now we were both young when it really was happening, but we got to kind of experience it. Yeah. Walk me through to the best of your ability, uh, what life was like, you know, nineties Ridgecrest when like, as you said earlier, there was a time when it was like first Madison and Ridgecrest. That's right. And there was a time before that when it was like first Madison and Ridgecrest was like the new hip church meeting in MRA. In MRA. I, I can barely remember an MRA Sunday. Like, I feel like there's like this deep core memory. Um, it, my parents would listen to this and be like, you're crazy. You uh -huh. were like one, but, yeah. but I, I, I can remember a couple of core memories or there was a time where like something happened on this campus and we had to go back over there, but I, there's a core memory there. I don't know if some, some historian can confirm that for mm -hmm. me. That'd be awesome. But Ridgecrest was, it was just community for us. I mean, like this is really, um, if you ask me to bring up a memory of my childhood, uh, it probably happened at Ridgecrest, whether it was a Wednesday night supper. I mean, the line would be like out the door in the old fellowship hall oh, yeah. and then over to the gym. Uh, I mean, I, my mom was involved in everything. My dad was involved in everything. I can, I can genuinely remember there were times that you'd do Sunday morning church with all the traditional things that went along with it. You'd do Sunday night church. Uh, we would typically, if we met for Sunday morning church in the gym, back when we did that for a minute, yep. we'd come to Sunday night in the uh, sanctuary. Uh, I mean, in the chapel now yep. is what we call it. It was the old sanctuary. I was baptized there, which was fun, too, just to kind of see it. Logan took me on a tour earlier, and it was fun to reminisce. Uh, and then, like, my dad would uh, – he was on, like, the visitation team or committee or I don't know what they called it back then. And so I'd sometimes come up here on Mondays with him, and we'd do, like, Monday night visitations to people in the community. And then – I'm sure something happened every Tuesday, every now and then, but then certainly Wednesday night happened yeah. and you just you know, rinse, wash, repeat, you know, all those kind of things. And it just was community. I mean, I, seriously, most of my childhood memories 
uh, some that are fantastic and some where I was a little knucklehead happened right here in these buildings. The, uh, I didn't tell you, Stephen, the earliest memory I have of the Sticker family is my brother and his brother were the same age. Mm -hmm. And so they played baseball together forever. But the earliest memory is I have is going, hey, does does Burr's dad have a tattoo? And my dad was like, yeah. And so I was like kind of looking at it and I was like, does he have a butterfly tattoo? And then my dad, you know, my dad, my dad went. Yeah, he was a hippie, but it was fine. He, he's, he's a great guy. He was just a hippie for a while. To this day, I don't know if I know the true story of the tattoo. Oh. There was a time when I was younger that I told people my dad was in Vietnam because one time he told me he got it in Nam. And, and I didn't know dates and times. Yeah, yeah. And so people would be like, where'd your dad get the tattoo? And I'm like, Vietnam is what he said. And you got to know that some people were walking up there like, did you tell your kids you were in Nam? And he was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Didn't bother him at all. So I really still, to this day, I'm not certain I know the true story of the tattoo, but he has it. Yeah, it just cracks me up. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's, and it's so wild now because there's so many different churches and Madison mm -hmm. has just exploded. I remember, I mean, we, I was like, the first house we ever lived in was on Jennifer Court, which is right across from Strawberry Patch Park. So yeah. I've been in Madison forever. And I remember there was just, I mean, forget churches. There just was nothing around. There was yeah. a Jitney jingle and that was there, jungle, whatever it was. And it was just a crazy time. And, you know, Ridgecrest had, I mean, there was a season, a pretty long season where like it was, it was blowing and going. Like oh, it was, man. It, it was, was crazy. so much fun. I mean, it really, it was, I mean, you, you, the, our friends were all here and, and a lot of it is just, there was nowhere else to go mm -hmm. in that sense. And God was moving here and God's still moving here. Clearly you guys are still here. And so, and God is still doing a lot of work and I'm super thankful for this place specifically, uh, for a lot of the formations that had in my life and in my parents' life, uh, and in life still today. But you're right. I had a friend, uh, that lived on old rice road, Yeah. which now like it's nothing to think I'd go to old rice road, but I lived my whole childhood across the street from North park mall. Yeah. Uh, in Greenbrook subdivision is what it's called. And I can remember I would go visit that friend and it genuinely felt like you needed to pack a lunch to go over there <laughs> yeah. because you're like going through the country to get there. And you think we'd never make it. We right. would never. And somehow like we would make it. Yeah. And now I have kids, students that'll live like in Tidewater or something. Mm -hmm. They'll have to go to the backside of Lake Caroline. And they're like, are we in a different time zone? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's still Madison. It's still how Madison. It goes. Quit complaining. Blown up. So you, you sparked something for me, uh, put on your youth minister hat. Okay. I was talking to a parent as a parent who's now an empty nester. And he was talking about when he was in, uh, he called it youth group. And he's like, man, when I was in youth group, like, this is just what I did. Like my friends were my church friends and everything we did was here. And you today you still have that somewhere, but a lot of ways it's just different. Yeah. And maybe it's because the churches are bigger. Maybe it's because I think it has a lot to do with the fact that like we have nine feeder schools. Um, what do you think is different? What good, worse or otherwise about kind of your more old school youth group and, and why isn't it like that today? Just yeah. broad, broad brush. Yeah. I, I hate to be the shake the fist at the earth guy. I'd say it was social media. That's got to play a factor in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like there's, I mean, there's if you a way to say it. I was going to say it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. It, it has to play a factor in there. But I don't know if it's the main factor. I do think that the community outside of the walls of church has gotten better. Yeah. I think in a way, uh, like the world learned from the church. 
because the church learned community, uh, especially in the Bible Belt, right? You know, right. you may get to Montana and they would say beg to differ, or out in California. <laughs> But but really in the Bible, I mean, this was community, yeah. right? I mean, there there is a. I mean, I think of the Collier family, where uh, I, I, my, our family was deep into athletics. The Collier family was deep into technology, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still were friends in community, right? right? You know, because the church brought us together, specifically. And man, my my time, my upbringing here, uh, I was baptized here, but the, my relationship with Jesus was never priority. But I still loved being here, and I longed to be here. And so I think a lot of it has to do, and this is a call back to the church, honestly, is the community just got better around us, mm. and they learned how to be fun. And you you, you talk about the nine or 9,000, I don't know what number you use for feeder schools that are around here. It's really unreal. It's crazy. But but there are, there are things to do. There are options to have. And so instead of us saying as the church, you know, well, don't go out there. We're mad at you for going out there. Continue to open the doors wide open and let there be community that flows outside of the walls. You know, yeah. there there is merit to bringing the church to the people and getting outside of the doors, but we got all this space. We may as well use it too, yeah. right? You know, and so that Ridgecrest was that for me, man. It, it was a place where I could find community. Um, I can remember even as we're sitting here, uh, my mom would uh, I would get grounded. I got grounded a lot as a kid. Uh, I just did. Uh, that's another time and another day. I could probably share a few <laughs> of those stories, but we may have to go offline for a couple others. But but uh, but I would it would be like know this, know that, you know. And we didn't have I, I don't even know if I had a, I did have game systems, but I didn't play them. But right. you know, it'd be like no TV, no game systems. Like okay, cool. And it should be like a no youth choir. And I'm like no youth choir. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't even sing anymore, but like no youth choir. <laughs> what are we what do doing? you mean no youth choir? And so it just, it, it would be like, man, that, that hurt my heart. Now, like you tell kids like no youth choir, I'm like, oh, you promise? You know I mean? It, it's just the, the changes happen, but you know, whether, whether you want to go social media and I think you can, or you want to say the community's gotten smarter or the community is kind of caught up to the church. Uh, it's probably time for the church as a whole, just to, to rise back up and say, no, 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 no. We still, we, we, we are pro community. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, it's something that we're actively trying to figure out here is whether you call it, you're fighting everything else or you're working around everything else. I'm, I'm trying to get that youth group feel back. Mm -hmm. And the, like, it's the question of how do you get it back? But then also how do you scale that? Cause you know, a lot of those people that you talk to, they went to a country church where there was five of them. Yeah. And you know, how do you do that well with 50 or a hundred or 150? Um, that's kind of, that's where my brain is at ministry wise is how do you hold that? And then how do you scale that? And you know, there's lots of ideas we could go back and forth yeah. on it. Um, Steven, what is, it doesn't have to be like the first memory you ever have, but like, what is a core memory that you have of like either youth group or kids Ridgecrest? Cause you were here I mean, I've your whole here life. Since 2000. Yeah. Um, so, um, I was baptized here. The turn of the millennium brought the colliers. It did. It did. How how ironic that Y two K is. They were like, you know what? We we're we're going to Ridgecrest. We survived. This <laughs> we is we it. moved. We moved here in two thousand. We may have not become like official church members till a, a one or something. I, I don't know. No enforced. He wanted to kind of scope things out for a bit. He, we did. We That's, did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember any of the other churches though. Funny enough, I just remember Ridgecrest. This has just always been my church. Um, as far as core memories go, like. Like I said, I was baptized here. Um, lots of memories of just, you know, hanging out, kind of like Ben was saying, just being here all throughout the week. 
uh, Easter programs we used to do, like the actual yes. like drama ones. You remember Goodness those? Gracious. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but just being here when uh, the adults were here while they were like making the set or rehearsing and everything, um, that's kind of how I got into the AV stuff. Is I would hang out with my dad because uh, my dad used to run mm -hmm. all the AV stuff here, and he still volunteers every now and then. They go to Broadmoor, but he helps me out when I need it. Um, but he used to run all that stuff, so I kind of learned all that um, through him. Uh, we had a we had a Bible Man show here. Yes. Do you remember that? Goodness, I remember yeah. that. Like official Bible man? Official Bible man. Like actual Bible like, man. Mark, I feel what's like... his name? What's the main guy's name? Kurt? That's, that's a flex right there. Yeah, I don't remember his, his he name. He came, though. He did. He, came. he signed awesome. my Bible. My Bible man Bible that I had. He was great. I saw Third Day here. When did they play here? I mean, years ago. Maybe even pre-2000. But Third yeah. Day played. Somebody can confirm that. I know that. Greg can oh, confirm yeah, that. Yeah, probably. The only, third Day played here. The only, like band that i remember coming here was super chick and everyone that they brought super who super chick you don't know super chick i don't remember super chick oh gosh i mean i remember ninth hour obviously they yeah, played yeah. often but maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was past they were time. a thing for a while yeah. Yeah. um but no uh, we had a bible man show here i helped run lights for that even though i was like seven years old so i probably wasn't actually helping with lights Probably, you they some... probably gave me like a unplugged in keyboard and yeah. i was like ah oh, look at what i'm doing yeah but no just being homeschooled especially um there's my one mention per episode um my sense of community and family and any social interaction was rich Crest. it was the church yeah. and so this place has always been really important to me um because otherwise i'm just at home you know <laughs> yes yeah getting maybe bullied by your older brothers but that would never happen you can't prove that you can't prove that so uh Ben, marks are not visible <laughs> this tell me if i've just don't have this nailed but i'm pretty sure i have it nailed when my first day here okay. when i when i whatever the student pastor version of it in view of a call is um a guy walked up to me that's the same age as me went to school together and everything and i went hey man it's good to see you like i, I'm, I hope we get to hang out some while i'm here and he said logan if you would have told me in high school that you were going to be a pastor i would have laughed in your face I said, oh, good. This, Well, thank you, I guess. Yeah. Does that ring true for you? Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I still run into people. I've been doing this for 13 years now, and I still run into people, uh, especially from um, – so we moved back in this area almost three years ago. Yeah. And so I, I will occasionally still – we're going to a Mississippi Braves game tonight. It really could happen tonight where somebody says, well, what are you doing these days? And I, I say, uh, well, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm a student pastor really i mean it's just like that's that kind of like what? Well, thank you for that you know and, yeah. i mean I, I like i don't even have hair anymore you know it's I've, I've grown up a little bit uh but no it happens all the time to me as well it uh and there was uh, that was hard at first you know honestly i would i would get nervous walking around and seeing people and oh, yeah. running into folks um but no it, it it certainly i get you have it nailed my friend uh where i would uh i, I still get that to this day give me give me the uh Give me the map from you going from here to Brookhaven all the way through. Yeah, so I, uh, um, so the Lord really changed my life when I was 19 years old uh, and got me uh, into a discipling relationship uh, with some guys. And um, I, uh, I had an opportunity. I was working at Cups Coffee Shop, yep. uh, just trying to figure out what I was going to do. I'd stopped going to school for a little bit. 
um, and had a chance to go work at First Baptist Madison part-time as a junior high pastor. Now, that'll affirm your calling, uh, a part-time junior high pastor for sure. <laughs> See if that's if that's what you're called to that do is, or not. That is you barely made it in. No, I'm exactly were... <laughs> right. You know, Are you sure I'm called to this, Lord? Uh, and so got back in school, got started finishing that up. Um, I was uh, I was discipled by a guy named Jason Holmes, who was our student pastor for a little season there yeah. at Broadmoor. Uh, my family moved from Ridgecrest, uh, just family things, uh, back my sophomore year of high school, and we we uh, went to Ridgecrest. I mean, to Broadmoor, excuse me, my uh, sophomore year, junior year, and senior year of uh, high school. Jason was the student pastor there. I'd really connected. I think we were in between transition of student pastors here at that time, and so that was part yeah. of it. Is I was so disengaged and didn't want to be it quote-unquote youth group. Uh, and so Jason and I formed a great relationship, even though I was not necessarily interested in church. Uh, and so when uh, the Lord changed my life at 19, uh, I started driving down to Brookhaven, Mississippi, to be uh, discipled by Jason. Uh, do, you, do you know Jason? Mm -mm. This is probably going to make him feel big-headed. I mean, he's one of the greats of youth ministry. The goats, um, yeah. if you will. I mean, for real, though, he's one of the good ones. Yes. Anyway, continue. He's fantastic, and... Um, and so Jason would disciple me on a, a, a weekly basis. I would drive down to Brookhaven and he had this cute little intern named Jordan Henning. And, uh, so I, I started tracking Jordan just a little bit, had an opportunity while I was at first Madison to transition, to move to Brookhaven. And she was from there because we started dating who yeah. wouldn't want to move where your, your girl is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so a couple of years into that, we got married. Um, we, six months into our marriage, uh, were called, I was an, an associate on that staff, associate student pastor, I think was my title. Mm -hmm. And I got six months into our marriage called by First Baptist Church Summit, which was just 20 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes south of, uh, of Brookhaven, an incredible, incredible church. Uh, Brother Phil, back in the day, was the pastor at First Baptist Summit. His, his face was on the wall, the wall of fame. And I uh, really got a chance to learn my ministry there. So I was student pastor. I was the guy. Uh, wasn't, didn't have the, uh, the, the guy above me anymore. Wasn't the associate. So the safety net kind of got cut out from under yeah. me, learned a ton of ministry there and just networked, man, just started networking with people. And things, things from what I heard went, went great at summit. Like oh, I heard, I heard it was wild, like oh, in a great man. way. Oh, it was great. It was great, man. I could, uh, the, the families there were awesome. I could say, Hey, we're going to go play in traffic and I'd have a hundred kids <laughs> show up. I mean, they just were they were on fire for hanging out. Small town. And really, again, kind of what we talked about a few minutes ago about Madison and how Madison kind of grew up. There was nothing else to do yeah. other than go to school or go to church. And so we leveraged that. Man, yeah. we were we, we, we opened the doors many times we could. We brought fifth quarters back, and yeah. they loved them. Yeah. Uh, the only one we didn't bring back is lock-ins because I think those should be buried forever. They're of the devil. But uh, exactly, I think I think you have lock-ins in hell. I mean, that's just what. what, what <laughs> that's yeah. literally what it is. <laughs> it, it certainly is. So we're at Summit for for uh, three years or so, a little bit over three years, and just felt God calling us to the coast. I can't explain that. I can't explain before, before you get there. Okay. Last thing I want to say, I was talking to Russ. Do you know Russ Daniel? John I do Daniel? Know Russ. Yeah, I know John better, but I know yeah. Russ. So Russ spent some time down in Brookhaven. Yeah, and I was talking to him about it, and he just said, "Man, after especially after being at, he's at First Ridgeland now, yeah. and he loves First Ridgeland, but he said there's something different about youth ministry in Brookhaven. This, oh yeah, there's and it's probably a lot to what you said, where I was like, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. But he said like he said I used to just do a parenting conference, and you'd have 150 parents show up, and it was because it was just Things were just different down oh, there. Oh yeah, was that? Did you feel like that? 
Yeah, so my wife is born and raised there. Right. And so Brookhaven is kind of home. My parents have moved away from this area. And so, I mean, this is always going to be home for me, right. the Jackson Metro Jackson area. But Brookhaven, I mean, my kid, my, my wife has a, a brick with her name on it at the local playground down there. I mean, it's small town Mississippi. Yeah. We love it. My kids love it. And it is. It, it is just, Brookhaven's different. And, like, I'm imported in, so I'm kind of a Brookhavenite. Right. But, like, you got to be one of us down there. I mean, right. we want you, like, you're, you're welcome. Come back anytime. Come see us when you want to. But, like, you ain't Brookhaven unless you're Brookhaven. You right. know what I'm saying? Oh, and so, yeah, it's, it's built different down there for sure. Uh, and some, it's kind of the same way as yeah. I, as I moved down there. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're Pike County proud down there and I love Summit. I got some great, great friends that are still down there and miss those people. Uh, some of them even daily. Um, and, but, but it's very blue collar. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very Summit, Brookhaven, those kind of areas. It's like you go to college at Southern Mississippi State, Ole Miss, you, you name your college, you go there and then you don't come back, but then you turn 30. And you start having kids, and you're like, we want to raise our kids where we were raised. Right. And that's when they all move back. You're 24, 25, you won't have any friends <laughs> because they all left. And yep. they're like, oh, you're still here. Good. Good for you. <laughs> but but so we we kind of had – we experienced a little bit of lonesomeness. Yeah. Uh, we were – you know, our, our best friends were – uh, the parents of teenagers that we were pastoring at the time. Yeah. And so uh, that was, God was, you know, probably uprooting some of that in us because we love that, but still love that place. Um, but, uh, but we got a call from uh, a church in Gulfport and uh, I, it was kind of funny. I got called asking if I knew anybody that was interested. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know, but I, you know, we'll check. And so I went down there for a visit uh, just to kind of lay my eyes on it, and I realized it was me that that was being called, not 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 somebody. And yeah. and so we kind of started that process. We were there for some incredible, incredible time. Uh, something down there happened called COVID. Did that happen up here? Very much. I'm <laughs> just, just making like, sure. Some I didn't would know. say it didn't. But, some would say yeah. it didn't, but, yeah. but it, roughly fifty percent would yeah. say it didn't. Fifty yeah. percent would say it was the yeah. worst thing ever. Yeah. So so we uh you know we experienced COVID down on the coast and and that was a special experience and uh, had a small staff down there and so I was doing you know I don't know four or five things I was doing student ministry missions I was doing worship for a season that yeah. was special uh, to say the <laughs> least. Um, and right after I had left Summit to go to Gulfport, I got a call from a guy at Pine Lake uh, where I where I now serve that uh, his niece and nephew were in my student ministry in in Summit. And he'd always promised him he'd never call me then, but I'm gone now. And would I be interested in coming? I was like, no, I just left this place. But he and I had formed some relationship and friendship. And really what we realized is we would have never left Summit probably to come back to Pine Lake. I used to joke all the time and say, I'm never moving back to the Madison area. Mm -hmm. Never moving back. The joke's on me because three years into being in Gulfport, I moved back to this area to go serve at Pine Lake uh, at the Reservoir Campus where I currently serve today, and I had to move back into my parents' house that they still owned in Madison. So I always said, I'm never moving back to Madison, and I moved straight back to Madison when I moved here. We lived here for six months, had our third child and, until we uh, sold our house in Gulfport and bought one over where we live now. That's awesome. And we're still here. I didn't realize you were only in, in Gulfport for three years. It was not long at all. It feels like a long time. I think COVID made everything yeah. feel longer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were we had moved in COVID back to this area, January of 2020, mm. uh, technically December of 2020 is when we moved. Um, and and it was, I mean, like I had felt like I'd gone out of one time warp and into another time warp. Yeah. Uh, it, it was wild. Uh, and now that feels like that was ages ago. Because that's been three, that was three years ago. Yes. 
You're just like, moving in threes. It's great. Well, hopefully you're not moving I in threes. I hope not to move again, yeah. for sure. But We're going to break that cycle. Yes, we are. Well, you know, Megan's – I think Kylie, Megan's grandfather, was at first Gulfport. Back or, in the day. He yeah. was not there with us. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard the letter from Kylie Young, man. And he, like, in the same way that you talk about Summit and Gulfport and stuff like that, like, he loved Gulfport. Oh, it was like, incredible. Like, they – he. It's a, it's his story, but he had to step down for a health reason. But I mean, I think if that wouldn't have happened, he would still be at Gulfport. Like he loved it. it oh, was, bro, I, there are. T- I love where God has us, and honestly, pray that God keeps us here even forever. We right. really, really feel like my kids love their schools, all that kind of stuff. But Gulfport, we miss Gulfport. Yeah, and, and the church was fantastic. The area was awesome too. We lived in a great neighborhood. We had cool neighbors, great friends, all that kind of stuff. It was just a fun place to be. It, it, the coast is mm-hmm. fun. You were ta- we we got lunch how long ago that was, and you were talking to me about. You say you hit a certain point, career wise, family wise, whatever, where you start to really value like stability. Like you were mm-hmm. talking about, like your kids. You're like, I kind of yeah. want my kids to not have to move every year and a half. Hundred percent. And you're like, so. It's it's cool when God's like, hey, hopefully for a long season, but at least for a season, we're going to kind of let you put some roots down and bring things back. You know, that was part of my resistance to to even coming where we are now. Is we loved we loved Gulfport, and it was like, God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. We 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 enjoy this. I feel like our ministry is fruitful. We feel like we're needed. Even you know, God doesn't need any of us, but right. we feel like we were being valued. Like He was using us. Um, but really what he was doing was he, he was, again, uh, I would have never gotten the call to come where I'm at now, uh, had I, n- had I not left summit. Yeah. And so we realized that Gulfport was a great season of stopgap and we developed some lifelong friendships when we were down there, we went to visit this summer and picked up with people that we had not seen in years. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and we do, we feel like God has us exactly where he wants us. And it just took a couple of, uh, a couple of leaps, I guess, mm-hmm. so to speak. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you... Do you feel like you're you're encroaching on life or youth pastor territory? Because you've been in you've been in the game for a minute. <laughs> I've been in the game for a minute. I'm in like like I, I guess would I be like a veteran card status now? You know, <laughs> yeah, is that how yeah. I, when do you get the veteran card? Like it's got it's got to be something. Yeah. Um. I I had lunch with a guy today, and he asked me that same question. He said, "What do you want to be doing in five years?" I don't know. Serving right. the Lord. You know. I, I'm I'm doing a I'm a different season now than what. Um, than what I was doing. Uh, I really, uh, where I'm at right now, I get a chance to lead the leaders of the ministries. Mm. Uh, so I'm over fifth through 12th grade ministry uh, at, at my church. And I get to be the one that, that kind of leads and shepherds those that are that are leading out the ministry. Uh, but there are things like tomorrow morning, I'm bringing donuts to an FCA and I'm like a giddy schoolboy. Like yeah. I get to do the ministry a little yeah. bit. And, and, uh, I went to school the other day and got a chance to help feed a football team. And so those things are still fun. It's just, now I have four kids and it's like, well, what do you do with all those while, while dad goes and does his youth ministry thing? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's been, it's been fun to make a, a bit of a transition. I was a little nervous about it at first, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, but to make a transition of doing more coaching and resourcing, uh, those that lead the ministry and just encouraging them and loving them uh, because uh, I'm only 33. I don't feel like I'm super old, but right. that's kind of old in student ministry nowadays. Yeah. So you still get to do some of the blocking and tackling, as they say. A little bit of the blocking yeah. and tackling. That's right. But I can't go full four quarters anymore. That's I'm just not as spry as I used to be. <laughs> it's it's weird because I'm 30, and I feel like I feel like 30 is kind of that that moment mm-hmm. where you're trying to figure out, like, you know, you're not the either single or just married, no kids, youth pastor, but 
but you're not like the 44 year old that has kids in student ministry. Cause both of the, I've heard, uh, I've heard sometimes the same church say like, both of these are incredible and these are like so helpful. And then when it's 30, it's like, you just have a bunch of toddlers and life gets really hard for a while. Mm -hmm. So ministry is just, it's interesting how from the youth pastor side, ministry can just look so different depending on where your life stage is at. And so, you know, I think about, I think about lifers in youth ministry all the time. And I'm like, that's, it's just incredible how there's not many of them first off. Yeah. Cause you know, I think they still throw that stat around that like the average youth pastors at a church, for like 18 months. It's crazy. A year and a half. Yeah. And you know, for us that, you know, you've been in church three, four years or so you're thinking like, you know, I didn't do anything in 18 months, like yeah, a year and a half okay. in, we hadn't done anything yet. I barely knew everyone's name. Yeah. And then, you know, that's just like people are just gone. And I think that's – so you go back to to one of your original questions is what was different about Madison. It's it's honestly different. And, and if you're in ministry, maybe, you know, take heed to this. Ask the Holy Spirit if it's true or not. And if it is, think through it. Man, some of these guys, the, the youth minister here when I was growing up had been here for like teens of years. Yeah. Not like oh, I'd been here a year or two and – Here's that, or here's that. I mean, like you start really developing some, gaining some ground in year two and three mm-hmm. uh, at times, and it's just super, super fruitful when you when you stick with it. Uh, and the same's with the profession too. At the same time, I know a lot of guys are like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do student ministry for a couple of years, but then I really want to go be a senior pastor." And if God calls you, that that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think that He starts developing. Man, I wish, I wish some of the things I know in year thirteen that I'd have known in year four. Uh, it just it just changes, you know. Yes. And the things that were a big deal to me in year four, I look at in year thirteen. I, I had uh, a guy a guy on our student team today came to me. He said, "I got a huge problem," and he told me what it was. And I said, "I wish that was a huge problem." <laughs> actually, like we, if we could make this the huge problem mm-hmm. and move forward with our yeah. lives, life would be really really good today. Uh, and I see why he thought it was a huge problem oh, because yeah. in year two of student ministry for me, it would have been a massive problem too. Uh, but I think you only start gaining that perspective when you keep putting in the time and putting in the mm, hours. Yeah. And part of it's just surviving stuff. Like hundred <laughs> percent. Like you're like, my life in ministry is over. And then you survive it and you're like, Oh, this was okay. And the yeah. next thing is like, this is, it's really over now. I remember like, this wasn't even youth ministry. This is when I was children's interning under pepper. Mm-hmm. There was. I don't even remember there. There was an event where all the parents were in the worship. Sponsored by that cookie company right now. No, I wish we were. I wish we were. Whimsy. Uh, Yeah. Sponsored by Whimsy right now. Uh, (laughs) This two minute segment. Um, There was some event to where all the parents were in the worship center and like the whole staff was there. Even like even Pepper was gone, and it was like me and a couple other interns. We may have even pulled in like the student ministry interns just like herd cats. Yeah. And on the third floor children's area, it was just pandemonium. Kids were everywhere. We had loud music playing and pizza. And you remember, you know how this is. Mm-hmm. The way that it was shaped, giant large group space in the middle. It was a square like hallway that went around it. And the, all the classrooms were on the ring on the outside. So you had this huge square hallway around it. And kids were running like crazy. And uh, I think it was Tate Ratcliffe yeah. said, Logan! And I was like, what? And he's like, we got kids that are hurt. And I went, oh my gosh. And it was a staff person's kid and a church member's kid had hit a corner and just smoked right face to face, just knocked each other out. And one of the kids was bleeding. It was the staff member's kid that was bleeding and he was holding his face and it was a head wound. And I was like, all right, so we take him into the kitchen and we put like one of those big fat band-aids 
And I'm like looking at her, I'm like, is the girl okay? And they said, what girl? And I said, the girl that was in the accident. They said, oh, she's gone. And I said, what do you mean she's gone? And they went, she left. She went to go like talk to her mom. And I was like, oh, we have to find her. This is how I lose my job. Yeah. And I was like, I said, hey, uh, I think it was Tate again. I said, hey, just take the Band-Aid off and see if his head is okay. And he took the Band-Aid off. And as he pulled it back, a tooth was attached to the Band-Aid. Yes. And so I was like, right. it was her front tooth. That's it was, fantastic. It was stuck in his head. You couldn't see it. And then when you pulled the Band-Aid, it came out. And I said, okay, we have to find the girl because she's missing a tooth. But now it's easy to find her. It wasn't. She was gone, gone. Turns out she went to her mom who was a dentist. And so she, mom took daughter straight to her office, gave her a tooth, I guess, or how that works. (laughs) Because she didn't have this one. And it was one of those where, like, you know how the the, people don't think about the aftermath of those things happening. not at all. But, like, staff member dad was so cool. It was Michael Bowen. It was, he was the coolest. And... But I had to have a conversation with Pepper, had to have a conversation with Gary Mays, and then I had to have a conversation with Rob. And it was one of those where Rob was like, you could tell that he wasn't happy because like kid got hurt and kid, we had no idea where they were, but he was just like, Hey, next time, maybe get the girl's name or just hold on to her until we can actually figure this stuff out. And it was one of those where I was like, I one, I'm an idiot Two, I'm going like to prison is what it felt like. And I was like, my life is over. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, that happens all the time. Oh and, my goodness. And the difference is now we're like, you just, second nature. We know like, Hey, let's ho- make sure both kids are okay. Let's hold on to them, do all the things. But you know, just, you have those things where you're like, this is the end of the road. Like it's, it's <laughs> no big deal, but you're freaking out. I had a good. friend that, uh, actually he's at Russ Daniels church in Brookhaven. Now the church at Russ was yep. at, you mentioned Russ a minute ago and, uh, his first Wednesday night, uh, he, he played games and stuff. I texted him the next morning, man, how did it go? And he said, man, a girl broke her arm during a game. Yes. I'm done for. I said, who was, oh, it's the worship pastor's daughter. And I'm like, well, that's even better. Yeah. And turns out it was like a fracture. And so I said, man, it's not even a clean break. We don't, we don't get excited about non-clean yes. breaks anymore in student <laughs> ministry. At this point in the game, I'm like, sweet. What's the story? What's the severity? Yes. I, I'm, I'm like thinking, do you still have the tooth from that one? I mean, yeah. you, but, but back then you're right. You're like, I'm losing my job. Yeah. You're it's like, over it's with. over with. Of course, and yeah, and are you talking about at East Haven? Yes. And Hal, Hal doesn't care, or he may have, he may have cared. Who knows? But no. if Hal, if Hal was the youth pastor, Hal wouldn't have cared. Oh, if Hal thought it was probably funny, <laughs> yeah. you know, he he put it in his next It's Friday documentary yeah. that he does. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! But um, to the best of your ability, okay, give me a good youth ministry story. Goodness, a good one, one that's not going to like incriminate you or get you in bad blood with the current church that you're at. Yeah, fair. We enough. should probably put those parameters in. <laughs> that's exactly right. Edit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> um, man, I, a good youth ministry story. I, so I've got two. I've got one when I was a student. We'll tell that on Broadmoor. Oh, there we go. Uh, and then I've got one where I was a part of it. So, um. I had, when I was an intern in Clinton, so I went to Mississippi College, and I was an intern for Morrison Heights Baptist Church. Uh, we, uh, cool community, tight-knit community and all that, uh, we got pulled over by the cops because me and the other intern took the kids out rolling. And the Classic. we rolled, like, not the mayor, but the mayor's, like, 
I don't know, sister or something like that. And the mayor went to another church in the city. I probably shouldn't have used city names and stuff like that, you know, because I like we don't know what our reach is here. Yeah. So sorry, we Clinton. Can, we can we still love you. But uh, but at the end of the day, like the mayor did not like that church that I was at. Mm. He didn't, and, and so he tried to like persecute us to the fullest extent of the law. And it got to the place where I'm kind of cynical by nature, and kind of will push your buttons a little bit if mm-hmm. you're not going to be a civil adult about something. And so I just continued to kind of like push. And so these kids are feeling like what we were feeling, like the tooth story, all those kind of things are like, this is the end of the road for us. And I'm like pushing buttons the whole time. I'm like, you know, well, can you reuse the toilet paper? Or, you know, we put the forks down. So if you wash them, they'll, they'll use very well. And so that just, but, but it was one of the longest nights of my life because we had to get that student pastor involved. It was, it was, it was really kind of frustrating at the end of the day. So, uh, that was kind of fun when I was at Broadmoor. Now, this is Jason Holmes' fault completely. Yes, we will blame um, him. One night, uh, Jason Holmes asked me and two of my other friends, Adam and Michael. Their names are Adam Welch and Michael Carlew. This matters for this story. You probably know these guys. That's a good group to hang um, with. And we were asked one night, I, I don't know if they had to have a room cleaned up, but we've all been there where we've had students come do free labor for us. Absolutely. And so we were free labor for, for Jason this night. He was going to let us hang out at the church all night as long as it took, and we were going to clean out this this room on the third floor. That's where the youth the youth meet uh, over there at Broadmoor, and uh, we we're going to clean out this this room on the third floor. Yeah. And we cleaned out, and we got to a roof access point. I got a roof story for Ridgecrest too. I'll get there in a minute. Um, and some good uh, roof stories. Here. And so uh, sure. we're opening up Pandora's box. <laughs> and uh, and there's, so there's good roof stories at Broadmoor too. Oh, absolutely. Flat roofs and pretty easy access. And so we found that access, and we get to the the roof, and so we're like, man, let's like, let's go get chairs. So we go back downstairs. We get lawn chairs. We we'll bring it up. And Adam says, "This is all Adam's fault." Adam, yeah. if you ever listen to this, this is on you. He says, "Let's sign our names to the roof." <laughs> And so he had orange spray paint because he worked for Liberty Park for Vern Booth. For Vern. And so we had orange spray paint and we signed Ben Man. Why I called myself that, I have no idea. <laughs> Another story there for my counselor. And then we had he, Michael signed his name Carlu and Adam signed his name Welch. Well, what we didn't realize is that our church was going to be breaking ground on a new sanctuary and going to need to take aerial videos. This is before drones. And so we get called. I, we're at college. Like, yeah. At this point, like, cause we were seniors when that happened. And so we all went to Mississippi state. And so Rob, IE calls us, Hey, next time you guys are in town, I want to take you guys to lunch. And so we all go eat lunch with him and, oh, and Rob man. like, you know, reads us the right act in the most gracious way of that's vandalism. And Jason should have never done that. And Jason at that point had already moved to Brookhaven. So there was no, like, like we can't, we're not going to prosecute anybody. They never were. <laughs> right. But, but it was, it was quite hilarious. And you said it could have been any Ben man, any I mean. Ben man, but then the Carlo and the Welch thing gave it away. Why yeah. they would sign their names, I don't know. Yes. But this is before you put cameras in churches, man. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you couldn't get caught for anything. That's that's incredible. Yeah, there were there were a few stories, not quite that good. That may be the best, but just that ladder was too easy to get to. A hundred percent at Broadmoor, and it's still there. If and they student, never locked it, never they never put a padlock on it. It's like, come on, people, put a padlock on it. So I got a story here. Hit me right, with it. a Ridgecrest story. So if you're in the worship center. There are those acoustic panels that are at the very top. Mm-hmm. And my mom used to sing in the choir here. And so there would be times where my dad was out of town and we'd have to get here early for something or she'd be singing a solo. And I can vividly remember uh, the, the, the guy that was over maintenance at the time. If you said his name, I would say, yep, that's the one. 
but he was come. I, I can't remember his name though. Maybe it'll come back to me in the story. But he was coming out of there. One of those panels is a door, mm-hmm. and you guys know that. But it goes to the cross. But as an eight, nine, ten year old, whenever we came into this building, yeah, you're like it's Narnia. Uh, it that thing opened. And a man walked out of it, and I thought, I, this I have to see. Yeah. And so I don't know what the context was. It was probably a Sunday night, and it probably was late, and my mom was probably just up here doing something. She was here all the time. Like, if the doors were open, my mom was here doing stuff. She's super faithful and loves the Lord and still serves the church that she goes to uh, in Pachuta, Mississippi, to this day the same I know. Way. She, she, when she moved away, I was like, what are we doing? I'm telling, She's supposed well, to be here forever. She wanted to be a grandma, and, I know. and she gets to be a better grandma down there. It's all fun. We kind of prefer it because it's a really, really cool place to 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 like go and hang yeah. out and all that good stuff. But we were up here late one night and I snuck in to that panel because again, we don't lock things for whatever reason. Like you got places and you're like, hey, don't go in there. How about you just put a lock on the door? And so yeah. I just pulled mm-hmm. that thing up and I realized that I could get all the way into the steeple. And so Dad Gummit is like an eleven year old, probably. I got in the steeple by myself and then thought like my mom could be looking for me right now. This is yeah. before cell phones and all that kind of stuff. And so I got down. Nobody ever knew it. Nobody ever knew. Or at least they never told me. And I feel yeah. like they would have like been like, hey, son, we know what you did. But yeah. oh, I can remember definitely. as an 11-year-old getting in that steeple. And, uh, and yeah, it was a good time. So, kids, it's locked now. Don't go try it. And the steeple, probably to an 11-year-old, was probably like the coolest thing ever. Now, the steeple ladder is the sketchiest thing ever. You're like, I could die yep. 10 ways from Sunday. And it's crazy. Oh, yeah. It, it was uh, – now, I do remember thinking, like, you know, because you know, this is a pretty vivid memory for me yeah. of, like, climbing up the ladder and being in there, and you could kind of see where the lights were lighting the thing up. And it was nighttime at the yeah. time. Um, I didn't have a flashlight, which is crazy now to think about. Why did I do all that without a flashlight? <laughs> Maybe there was a light switch or something up in there. But I can remember thinking that, like, if I fell, yeah, how long does it take people to realize that that's how I, they lost me? Like, is it a smell that gets me? Like, do they ever check? Like, did I leave the door cracked? Like, I don't, I don't know. But, it, but I can remember those thoughts kind of yeah. flooding through my head of like, did, is there a, like, do I make the news and they think that I've run away? And then, you know, I don't know, a week or two later, they're like, something stinks up in the church. And they're like, oh man, there he is. I think the squirrels would have gotten you before then. Yeah, I there's think a chance. It, it would have been a long time. Yeah. Maybe never would have known. Uh, I just feel like you had something to say in regards to the the climbing or the roof or something. Uh, if that were to happen today, where a child went through the door that's totally locked, um, who would take the fall for? Is that me? Is that a me thing, or is that somebody else? We'd Do I probably, need to? We'd probably blame it on Seaspire, to be honest. Okay, yeah. because that's yeah. I mean, they use our tower. I haven't been in that room in probably like seven years. Mm. So. Do you have like tech stuff in there? Not, nothing, you don't even know nothing obviously. i know of yeah, yeah. so we may have to find out it'll yeah. be fun is there a like a lock on it now there's a lock certainly as there should yeah. be yeah is it if it's locked then well, yeah. i can remember like i mean I, I i probably wasn't in the i weren't i was not in these meetings i weren't in these meetings not english man it's getting mm-hmm. me today yeah um but i can remember that there was genuine uh like calamity and frustration and confusion on whether we were going to let a cell phone company put a cell phone tower in the steeple yeah. because then bad language would be coming through the walls of the church. That was a real conversation. Those people are probably dead and gone now, but <laughs> it's probably those were real things that, that, uh, that people were wondering about, uh, here on when that steeple was going yeah. up, are we really going to let bad language come through the church? And it's like, Oh, if you only knew. <laughs> yeah. And now we have fake tree cell towers everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun time. 
We so along those lines at my previous church in Canton, we had a, a thing in the summer, and I, I was just trying to, to be honest. I was just trying to think of something to do in the summer with the yeah. kids, and I was like, let's just go to Geyser Falls. And so I was telling the kids about it. I love Geyser. Falls. And I had a kid who was. He ended up being in the youth, and he's awesome. But he was in, like, fifth grade at the moment, or maybe it was sixth grade because he was in the student room. He's like, I can't go there. And I, said, what? I was like, did you get kicked out or something? I'm not allowed within five feet of a geyser falls. <laughs> and he said, I can't go. We can't go either. That's blood money. <laughs> when, oh. I was, and me, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, was there a murder? And he was like, "My, I don't know, but my grandpa says it's blood money. We're not allowed there. And sure enough, his That's grandfather fantastic. was chairman of Deacons. And I kind of asked around, and I, and I realized, like, oh, because the casino is yep. associated with it. And I was like, well, it was one of those things where I was like, guess where we're not going? Geyser Falls, because that was just a hill I was not okay dying on. And then, but me and the family went there <laughs> all the time, and it was you great. Know, that was what was really kind of cool about the coast, is we had some of our best meetings at the casinos. There were a couple of smoke-free casinos. Those rooms are beautiful. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. We had a, a guy in our church that... Uh, he was he, like general manager of one of the casinos. And so he would give us tours all the time. It was so much fun to, to be able to utilize their mm-hmm. resources. It's actually good stuff. That money's got, uh, except my, for all that sin. Well, my pastor's wife, Chip, Chip Henderson's mom, excuse me, not wife, his mom, <laughs> who's no longer with us anymore. We loved Miss Dorothy. Uh, she used to always say the devil's had that money long enough. You take it and give it back to the church. And so <laughs> go get that money. That's when we, when I was doing, uh, uh, Extension Center Seminary yeah. at MC. Gene came and talked to us one time. Brother Gene, man. And Gene was the man. He's awesome. Like, that's the only experience I have is an hour of him just, I mean, he was just talking. He talked through the church split and just all of the craziness that he walked his church through. Yeah. And I, I remember leaving going, Gene's a cool guy. Like, He's awesome. You know, as like a punk 23-year-old who thinks that – you know, that whole room is full of people that think that, like, we all should be mega church pastors because mm-hmm. we know ministry better than anybody. And Gene was just like, let me tell you how this works. And let me tell you that life isn't easy and that church isn't easy, but this is what you're called to and this is what you do. He's one of the good ones. And I was like, oh, this is this is what, like, what a <laughs> what a good pastor who's been doing it for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Like, here, here's how oh, you do it well. well. It was cool. Still doing it, too. Is he really? I oh yeah, he's he's interim, you know, places things. Like I, that. I think about like him. I think about like Jim, the yeah, doctor, the and doc. I'm like, those are two good ones, the OGs. <laughs> yes, and one day that may be you if we're if we're lucky enough. We'll probably be like the OG student <laughs> pastors, though. You know, I don't know if we'll make that jump or not. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Maybe by that point, being an OG like seven year old youth pastor will mean something. It'll, maybe it'll, it'll happen. I do. You know, I don't know what I'm doing in five years. But when I retire, if that's still a thing, if retirement's still a thing when I'm up for retirement, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a thing when, when we get to that place. I want to go teach a youth Sunday school class at a small little bitty church. And, like, I want to be like 80-year-old Mr. Ben uh-huh. that's taking the kids on the church van to go eat pizza afterwards. Like, I just think that'd be so, so you know, So you know what my retirement plan is? Tell me. It's the same basic concept. It was I want to be the maintenance guy of a little church. Mm, where my job is to change light bulbs and walk around and talk to people. That'd be fun. And, like, maybe maybe, like – push a dust mop or something. Yeah. I think like, I think about that. I'm like, if I can just make it being that guy at a little, at a little church where I just hang out and talk to people. And it's like, oh, I got to go. I got to make sure this toilet works. I just think that'd be awesome. That'd be so much fun. Steven, any retirement plans? Let's get through today first. <laughs> you're just, you're going <laughs> hour take, by hour. Take an hour by hour. Yeah. Uh, who knows? 
Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, we're, we definitely aren't getting retirement. I don't definitely not Social happen. Security. That's no, yeah, a yeah. foregone conclusion. That may be too political for this podcast, though. Steven, anything else before we wrap this puppy? No. Thank <laughs> you.